Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Well, hello and good afternoon. It is and it is the Anything Goes segment, and it's on Thursdays at 4. And, you know, it's been a long week, and I just wanted to thank all of you for your patience with me and for other things. Um, my guest tonight, I've known this woman, how long has it been, Kelly? Oh, gosh. Six years, maybe? At least, at least six. At I, least. I think it was seven. I was going to say yeah. lucky seven, but okay, I can lie. It's been a while. She says six. <laughs> she, she, she says six. I said the lucky seven. But uh, Kelly Stone Gamble is an author. And if you haven't read her stuff, you should. She's also been a guest here and with Marsha and with other people, and she is intelligent. Um, she's a, uh, she teaches in, in Oklahoma. I mean, God, she, this woman does everything. And she has a new book she's working, uh, she's worked on and is going to be doing the inquiries like all of this, all the, 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 the stiff writers like me have to do, you know, you send an inquiry and you wait six months until they do something. So, without further ado, without I think I I gave her a nice introduction. I hope I did. If not, she'll she'll correct me later, like any good professor. Kelly Stone Gamble, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Alive and kicking, you know, we have a virus, we have everything, you know. I don't have it, thank God. Me neither. Uh, I'm not going to get it. (laughs) Well, I've been tested twice for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, they they do a nose swab. And that thing hurts more than you'll ever know. It's like mm. poke poke yourself in the nose and you'll know how it is. It's oh. not fun. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't uh do it for my worst enemy, but you know, people wanna do it, you know, and they have to, you know, they get tested so often. Come on, Bennett, your worst enemy? You wouldn't do it to yeah, your worst okay. enemy. Okay. I wouldn't give it to a friend, okay? <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> so tell me about where you got you you you're just working on and you're trying to sell soon a book. Tell me about yes. this book. Go ahead. Uh, this book uh, is currently titled Ragtown. Um, I have worked on this book for ten years, at least. Uh, it's a historical fiction set during the building of the Hoover Dam. And I had to do a lot of research prior to, of course, but one reason I've worked on it so much is because I have revised it so many times. You know, I, I wrote the book and then I realized that one of the characters came across as a strong one and I ended up shifting the focus and I shifted points of view and it's just been, it's been like my life project. So I finally have it um, at a point where I am comfortable with it and I love it. So now I am going through the query process to sell my 
life-changing historical fiction novel about the uh, a woman during the building of the Hoover Dam. Well, okay. I I know what the process is. Believe me, I've done it once or twice yes. myself. Um, however, to most people that don't know, tell mm-hmm. them what the process is. Well, first I'm going to say this is the second time I've gone through this process because, of course, with my series that I uh, do have published, I went through this process before. Uh, and the, I believe me, I know that series is a good series. If it was still available, I would tell, let's get it. Yeah, it's, it's well, you know, the first one is the USA Today bestseller, so the series has done well. Uh, but the query process, it was my first time at that, and um, it's so frustrating because, you know, you, you believe so much in your work, and you have to go through this process. Well, now, this time around, um, I'm a much more seasoned uh, writer, and I kind of understand the process, and I'm willing to take the time and try to be patient and uh, do it a little bit differently. So the process is um, you research agents, and you try to find one who you feel is a good fit for your book. Uh, that process alone is very time-consuming, because there are a lot of agents out there, and you know some of them just don't sell the kind of books that you have written. So you go through and you make a list. Uh, then each one of those agents has a different uh, list of things that they want from you, whether they want five pages, ten pages, a synopsis. Uh, so you have to compile the information each one needs. You have to write them a letter and make it, Uh, very personal to them and tell them why you think they're a good fit and why you're a good fit for them. And you send it off and then you wait several months, uh, (laughs) sometimes even longer than that. And to often get a message back that says, sounds great, but I don't think we're a good fit. And then you go on to the next one. So, you know, it can be, it can be very frustrating um, because each one sometimes feels like a little bit of a blow to your ego. But I'm to the point now to where I believe so much in this book that uh, when I get one of those letters back that say, sorry, it's just not a good fit, I almost feel sorry for them because this is going to be a huge book and they are missing out. (laughs) So how's okay. that for confidence? I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead and hoping the book that the book sells tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> I love yeah. audiobooks, and you know that too. I do too. Who do you want to read it? Anybody? <clears throat> Gosh, I don't no know because <laughs> you know my my main character, my my protagonist is a, uh, actually there's two, um, and they're both very young. She's 17 to 19 as the book takes place, and he's 19 to 21, so they're both very young, but they are also both um, living in a pretty tough time, so they grow up very quickly. So it would have to be someone who can go from kind of innocence to a more mature voice very quickly. Uh, so you I don't know. I'm sorry. You won't take Brad Pitt. Uh, Brad, no, no, Brad's too old for this one. <laughs> Brad's a little old for this one. I, I'll Which take Brad Pitt for other things. Most of Bennett. the people have um, done the, you know, the the actors that are available are in their 30s and 40s, you know, and they do these things, and they're usually a very young voice, and they can do a mature voice or whatever. Right, right. Well, my my male also has a Eastern accent, so Brad would have to come across in his 20s with an Eastern accent. But I feel hey, like Brad I'm, would be 
I feel like Brad would be so much better used for other things. I believe you. Just you know what I'm <laughs> saying. And that right now is in her forties, like Toby Maguire is still doing is still being sent out on um youth calls, sixteen and right. twenty, you know. Right, yeah. But he's yeah. like 40 years old, and he still could be 16 <laughs> and 20. Oh, yeah. Well, he still looks 16, though. I understand. Believe me, I know what you mean. <laughs> oh. But, but I'm just trying to look 40 30. Is he really 40? But he's yeah. really 40. Uh, he's 40-ish, and he has, you know, his voice. It's not a child's voice, but, you know, it's not, um, you know, this is, you know, that kind of deepness. No, he can right. do it. So yeah. where did you get the idea for this book? Well, uh, in the early, i say like 2005, I uh, was working as a volunteer at the Boulder City Museum, um, and we were trying to record oral histories of the people who had originally worked on the Hoover Dam and get those recorded and um, documented before they passed. Uh, Because, you know, the Hoover Dam took place building in the 1930s. So uh, these people were, some of them were in their 90s. And I helped with several of those. And in the process, I heard a lot of great stories. And I kind of put them all together and said, you know, these people have some wonderful stories of living in the desert and um, trying to survive the Great Depression. And I just gained so much knowledge about the dam in general that it felt like a good setting. And um, it came, turned into a good story. I have I to kind do of put this. A, I uh-huh. have to do this. Give me one second. But I'll be damned. Never mind. <laughs> I call it the damn book. You know, I've worked on it for so long, I just refer to it as the damn book. So do your friends go, how's your damn book? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've all, my friends have read at least one version. I bet this is at least the sixth or seventh revision of it. And my friends have all read at least one version. So yeah, they refer to it as the damn book as well. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears right now. You're a teacher. Yes. Profe- a professor at University of University of Oklahoma, if I'm not correct, right? It's Southeastern Oklahoma State University. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that. Uh okay. So you're a professor. How do you think with the, and I don't, I'm not harping on the virus, but how do you think the virus is changing education? Well, it is changing, of course. Um, <clears throat> of course, we were, a, a lot of schools were going to a lot of online instruction anyway. Uh, And this is kind of forcing, at at least at the university level, it's kind of forcing our hand with that. Uh, I don't know that everybody's ready for it. You know, we were trying to ease into some of those things. So it's been really challenging. I I feel like at the lower grades, uh, K through 12, they're really going to struggle. They're going to have a lot of problems, a lot of, you know, a lot of problems. And, And honestly, I'm a firm believer that there are simple solutions to complex problems. You just have to find them. And we just don't have the time. Had we known a year ago that this was going to be something we would have to do, uh, I have faith that the school districts would have had this all figured out, all planned out, and would have had something ready to go. But, you know, they've had a couple of months. And that's going to make it a lot more difficult. I, I just imagine, I mean, when I was in school, when I was in grade school, we'd run around, you know, I'm going to give you my cooties. Well, now there actually are cooties, right? So kids are going to, um, kids are going to be doing this. And 
the teachers, God love them. That's all I can say. You know, at least my students are adults, and I can say, look, this is these are the rules, and you can, you know, you can leave. I, I have no problem doing that if you don't follow the rules. But it's a little bit different with kids. Kids are going to be mimicking what they've heard at home, and some of the things they've heard at home have not been supportive or positive or uh, it's, it's going to be a disruption and how you deal with kids is that's going to be one of the biggest well, challenges. I think. You think it's going to be all homeschooled or mostly homeschooled because it depends on where you live. I know I'm not mm-hmm. just talking the state. I live. I live in the state of Maryland, but right. You know, the DC, Maryland and Virginia, some are homeschooled. Some are right. Um, how can I express it? Some some are going to be homeschooled and, and can go in Monday and Thursday or Tuesday and and Friday or whatever. Right. I don't know why they're on Wednesday, but I don't care. But yeah. the the point is they're going to be homeschooled. That's that's just mm. one county. Now another county, right. it's all online. The teacher right. sees you via computer. Right. It's not the pers- the personal interaction that you used to have. I had a teacher who, when I mucked up, would take her hand and pat me on the shoulder and says, nice try, try again. Yeah. You're not going to have that. Right. Maybe it's me. But you're not going to have a teacher going, nice try. And right. my self-confidence in school was, you know, I, I was felt like I was failing, and I wasn't. And I'm just using me as a personal example. And mm-hmm. kids today, you know, you're not going to have that teacher going, nice, nice job. You know, they right. may write on, on, on the, um, and it's going to be, the A will be in a computerized A, not, a, but you should have tried this instead or whatever. Yeah. I hate no, it, it, there's, I, I, there's going to be lots of things that are going to have to be adjusted. And, you know, um, I, I kind of believe that, you know, the past 15, 20 years, kids have been kind of glued to their phones and the Internet anyway. Uh, so I think that they will – adjust to this a lot easier than some of the older students or maybe even some of the older teachers simply because they're already familiar with a lot of this. Um, you know, the, the, the high touch versus high tech um, argument has gone on for years and years, which I fully believe, but I also kind of believe that that personal interaction needs to come outside of school. That's the hard part to me is getting parents to be more involved and to spend time with their kids because that's what really needs to happen. You know, um, it's going to be kids that are in the lower income areas that don't have access, uh, that rely on going to school as uh, one of the most important parts of their life. That it's going to be in the rural area as well. Yeah, you know, the kids that rely on school to eat. Um, those are the things that are going to be really difficult. But I believe that teachers are very much aware of this and very much care for those kids and uh, will find ways to do it. I I just really believe that teachers are amazing people. I couldn't do their job. You know, I love teaching at a university because uh, I'm working with adults who can be difficult, but – the teachers that work with kids are amazing people and they do care or they wouldn't be in that business. And I just believe that they're going to find a way. I wish they'd had more time to figure things out, but I think they'll find a way. And I think we as a society need to believe in them. Do you think we'll ever have school as in school again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I think this, I don't this mean three days a week or two days a week and the rest via the computer or whatever. I'm talking real sit at a desk in a classroom and, you know. Yeah, I do. I do think we will. But I also think that we're going to learn a lot from this process and find new ways to do that better as well. 
So, you know, there's just a lot of, well, I mean, there's a lot of uh, technology. There's a lot of things that are, have been available, but we've just not used them because we haven't been comfortable with them. Well, now we're forced to get comfortable with them. And some of them, it's like, Ooh, I kind of like this. Uh, So there are things that we'll be able to use in our classroom now because we've been forced to learn how. So, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that tries to find the positive in everything. Uh, Oh, I know that. I've known you too long. (laughs) You know, so instead of, I mean, you know, the world changes. So for us to say, Oh gosh, I want to go back to the way things were. It's like, well, you know, I, I don't want to go back to the way things were in the thirties or the fifties or, you know, I kind of like being a woman that can work and doesn't have to rely on a man. Right. So we have to go forward and we have to change and change is always uncomfortable and we do it. We do it. We learn ways to work with it, ways to make it better. Uh, It's just that uncomfortable time when we have to make the initial change. And that's where we are, so we should be excited about it and say, let's see what we can do to make this wonderful, instead of focusing on, oh, God, this is going to be a disaster. Well, okay, let's talk about technology for a second. Do you think books – I'm used to a book, you open it up, and you can smell the binding, you know what I'm saying, read it. I do. Yes, and, and you read it. Even if it's a paperback, you still you smell the binding, you read the book. Now everything's on computer. Right. Does that okay, bother well, me? Here's, does it bother here's me? my thing. It well, it doesn't bother me because I found a way to work with it. And here here's my theory on this because we had talked about audiobooks, right? Yes. Uh, I live I live in Oklahoma when I'm, when I'm there teaching. Um, I live in the middle of a national forest, which is really cool, uh, and it's about 30-minute drive to work. So I started listening to audiobooks on my way to work. I thought, why not, you know, um, instead of just listening to the radio, because my reception's bad anyway where I'm at. So I listen to um, audiobooks. And I have discovered that... There are certain books I prefer on audio, and there are certain books I prefer to read on my Kindle and certain books that I prefer to actually hold in my hand. Um, If there is a book that I am just absolutely in love with and I want to read over and over, I want to hold it in my hand and turn the pages and smell it and actually have a relationship with that book. If it's a book... um, Sci-fi books, I, 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 like, I like to throw in sci-fi every now and then because I think they're fun reads. I just load my Kindle up with those and read through, and that was fun, and then flip through another, you know. Uh, and then the audio books are books typically that I'll listen to biographies or, you know, deep-thinking books that I can rewind and listen to a certain area again. So I think the different versions of books for me um, have been nice. Because, you know, I read a lot, and I don't want to just have piles of books all over the place. I, I, I just, I mean, I already do, and I don't need a whole lot more. So by categorizing them by how I want to read them, it's, it's fine. I've got a full Kindle. I've got a full bookcase, and my audio's full as well. And I can just flip back and forth and read three books at once. How's that for an answer? <laughs> it's, a, it's an honest one. I, 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 there are some I love on audio, and there are some that I, I have to every year, and this is with me, uh, read Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is Willy Wonka, basically the first right. book. And mm-hmm. Every year, it's. I used to read Stuart Little, and then I've now changed to Willy Wonka. But uh, and somebody says it's a kids book. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's what I. You know, Stuart Little. That was a mouse that drove his own car. You know, I'm. You know, right. I, I was so yeah. impressed with that. Uh, and and <laughs> Willy Wonka, of course. We're not talking the movie, and I love the movie. Please don't get me wrong. The Gene Wilder mm-hmm. version. Anytime it's on. 
I'm stupid enough to just watch it, even though <laughs> I've seen it a million times. And, of course, I wait for oompa, doompa, doompa, you know. <laughs> and in book, I have that same feeling, you know. But if I'm if I'm scanning through the television, nothing on, and I see Willy Wonka, I sit and watch it. I don't know why. I'm not talking the Johnny Depp version. I'm talking Gene Wilder and Jack Albertson, and it's like I watch it, and uh, you know. But do you own this. it? Yes, two copies. You do own it. Yeah. Because I have certain movies that I don't own, but I, I will watch it anytime. I oh yeah, I, I haven't seen that in a while, you know. But I don't own it. Um, I own very few movies actually. I own interesting thousand movies. Oh wow! TV shows and movies. Some uh, I I was watching Walker Texas Ranger with Chuck uh-huh. Norris, and suddenly they. Cut in with um, uh, some sort of news announcement with um, the guy in the White House. I know his name, and I'm not going to say it. But instead of hearing the guy in the White House banter on about something or they're bantering about him, I just got my Walker Texas Ranger, found the episode, put it in, and watched it. (laughs) You know, Uh. I I've been staying with my son and daughter-in-law this week, um, and she and I, she's working from home, and we've been, you know, staying in as much as possible, so we've been kind of binge-watching things, and we're driving my son crazy because this week we have been binge-watching uh, Steel Magnolias. We have watched it probably four or five times in a week. Steel Magnolias. Version. The original version with Dolly Parton and Olympia Dukakis and Daryl Hannah, you and know, Dolly Fields. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we have just been noticing all of these different things. And since I teach humanities and literature, um, of course, I'm noticing all these little symbolism. You know, this is symbolism. This is blah, 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 blah. Uh, and writing the book, I'm like, oh, look how they completed that circle. And so we're noticing all of these tiny little details about this movie that we had never noticed before. Um, and my son is just pleased. Do we have to watch this again? And we're like, oh, but we want to we want to see if Jackson has his wedding ring on when he actually takes it off, you know, things like that. But so we've been binge watching mm-hmm. Steel Magnolias. And those women, I, I, you know, and I know I said it when the movie originally came out, but those women are just amazing actresses. What a group of amazing women to put together in a movie. I, I just feel like Shirley they could have thrown them in Shirley McClain. Oh, yeah. yeah. And a young Daryl Hannah, too. But, you know, I also, what I, I I like anyway is when you're watching a movie like Steel Magnolias, they make mm-hmm. three or four different versions of it. Right. You know, they have the African-American version, which I have no problem with. Right. You well, know? and we are actually, this weekend, that's what our goal is, mm-hmm. is to get the African-American version uh, because we love Queen Latifah, too. And we, we, we want to compare the experiences because I hear it's pretty much pace for pace. Uh, just a few. It's pace for pace, same thing. Yeah. So we, we, we're going to, now that we've completely critically analyzed the original Steel Magnolias, now we're going to do the same with the Queen Latifah version. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to enjoy it just as much, just on, you know, for different reasons. Um well, don't, so, don't yeah. forget the not sequel, but the the uh, the second version of Steel Magnolias that they made about two or three years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. A second, there a is second, like a sequel. Steel Magnolias. I'm sorry. Okay. Is it a sequel or just another version? It's another version. Oh, I didn't know that. I know they have the it's Queen like, Latifah. 
And yeah, the, original, the Queen but Latifah, remember. but they also have another version, yeah. Hmm. I will have to look that but up. That, that's also like Bette Midler's Beaches has been made mm-hmm. like three times with three different actresses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, it's interesting I, when they do that. I, you know, I, I'm not a hater of remakes. I, uh, I, it, my daughter-in-law was listening. I, I, I can't tell you who the who the singer is. Someone will be able to that has remade a lot of Rod, Rod Stewart songs. Um, and mm-hmm. honestly, I think she does a hell of a lot better job than Rod Stewart ever did. <laughs> So, you know, I, I'm not a hater of remakes. I like to hear people's different takes on things. Some I like, some I don't, but, but you know. That's like me and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. Right. I've seen Depp. I wasn't thrilled with it. Give me Gene Wilder any time of the week, month, or year. Right. Well, I'm that way with Les Miserables. Liam Neeson, there's no other version. I'm sorry, People can claim other versions of it are great, but no. Liam Neeson knocked that out of the park, and that's the only version of Les Miserables I will ever recommend to someone. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And you need to see you need to see Anthony Perkins. I'm dating myself now. Anthony Perkins doing mm-hmm. you know, uh, Les Miserables. You know, I, you know, he was not the he was the villain in it, and um, mm-hmm. but oh god, they had lameness, you know. But um, Liam Neeson did a great job. Yeah, I mean, I thought he did. He had the facial expressions. He had that stoic yet kind of secretive look to him, and uh, I just think he nailed it. He was, that was how the I Anne envisioned it. No. That was the Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Anne Hathaway was the musical with Russ, Russell Crowe and um, Hugh oh, Jackman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, I, I wasn't you're... a fan of that one at all. <laughs> yeah, I know where he is. Yeah. It's seeing it's how much. How many times you can watch a movie, you know? Right. I'm watching Miz and, you know, how many versions of it? How much is out there? Right. But, you know, that story, that's just one of those stories that I can watch over and over. uh, Because I I notice different things, and it's about human connections. And maybe that's it. I, I like that idea of how humans connect in different ways. You know, what's important to them? And, well, Steel Magnolia, well, same thing. I, how humans connect, what's important to them? Well, okay. What is your favorite movie? And not, don't Ever? say Les Mis. Uh, Ever. And don't say Les Mis? Oh, gosh. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Probably um, A Perfect Mind. Was that the title of it? Oh my gosh, I don't even remember yeah, the title the of one, it. That's the one that won the Oscar. Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah, that, about John Nash. Yeah. About John Nash. Yeah, that, yes. I, you know, that movie blew me away for some reason. I, and I think it's because I understood what he was talking about. And I'm not a math person at all. But the way they let me into his mind kind of helped me grasp what he was thinking and what he was seeing. And the fact that he became, finally, they recognized him for the genius he was. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. There was something about that movie that I've always loved. Let me ask You let were me expecting ask a, a love story, weren't you? You were expecting me to say a love story. No, I expect <laughs> my movie that I watch all the time. I watch it, I got to at least every three or four months have to watch It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. Really? See? That's, boy, that's, that one's, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to use the O word. I'm not going to say, that's an old movie. 
1962. Yeah. Before I was but born. Yeah. I know, but it is it's timeless. Yeah, well yeah. exactly. It is timeless. Yes. No, it's a great movie. And I said, uh, somebody says, what's your favorite movie? And the first movie that comes to mind is It's a Mad, yep. Mad, Mad World. Then The Sound of Music. And and uh, yeah, like my that. other favorite is a film called The Last of Sheila. The Last what? Of The Last of Sheila. The Last of Sheila. I don't think I've seen that. Oh, it's got James Mason. James Colburn, Richard Benjamin, Diane Cannon, Raquel Welch, Joe, uh, Joan Hackett, Ian McShane, hmm. and this this film director's wife, um, James Colburn's in the in the film, of course. Wife is killed. Okay. Uh-huh. A year later, he invites all of his friends to a boat. His boat. Sheila. Mm. And he says, you don't even have to go off the boat to solve this mystery. And oh. that's all I'm going to read here. Yeah, okay. A good mystery. And it's fascinating it is amazing. I, I I can't. I rave about this movie because I love it. It is one of those movies that you gotta watch every so often. It's it's a mystery. It's a comedy. Oh God. <laughs> That's oh. another one. I'm gonna, I I just opened my mouth and said the other movie that I love dearly. Oh yeah. God. Oh. With George Burns. Well, I also have to say I love Gone with the Wind, but I love Gone with the Wind because Gone with the Wind was the first movie that I went to as a little girl all by myself because nobody wanted to go with me. My parents didn't want to go, and for some reason, I don't know why I had it in my head that I had to see Gone with the Wind, and they bought me a ticket, put me in the movie theater, told me, do not get up, do not leave this seat until we come back. And I think I was eight, eight years old. And I sat and watched this entire movie, absolutely fascinated. And, um, you know, I, it was my big girl movie, right? And I just had a real, it, it was just, I'll never forget that. And so I've always loved that movie for that reason. And then, of course, What's for the your rest, you know. Cinematic movie, a guilty pleasure. My what? Cinematic guilty uh-huh. pleasure. Is oh it Gone God. with the Wind? Or... You can have a I... couple of you want. Right. I watch so many different things. I am fascinated. Um, I'm fascinated by things. I mean, I love, you know, the Highlander stuff, the love stories, the historical love stories. And I love to watch, um, I'm addicted to like animal planet things and, um, sci-fi, anything sci-fi. Gosh, I, I will watch just about anything. And it just depends if the story's good or the cinematography's good, or there's a lot of symbolism. I get into it. Have you ever seen Hopscotch? What is it? Have you ever seen Hopscotch? No. Ooh. I have not. Walter Matthau, Ned Beatty, Glenda Jackson, Sam Waterston. Ned Herbert Beatty. Long. It's yes. hard for me to watch Ned Beatty in anything. It's hard. It's hard for me to watch Ned Beatty. Why? If he's not, if he's not squealing like a pig, I just can't picture it. <laughs> well, <laughs> get yourself a rendered copy of Hopscotch. It is funny. Okay. He oh, plays it's a funny. spy, and everybody's trying to take him out of the game. Yeah. Well, if it's funny, then I can I can laugh at Ned Beatty. 
Isn't it's, that strange how oh, some people can have that one role? It's kind of like that the Jethro complex. It's complex, but it's funny, and that baby's a jerk. And okay. Sam Watterson is playing the young romantic lead, even though there's no romance. And no Glenda Jackson's math hour is perfect. Let me, uh, give me a minute. I have to do my homework right now because if I don't do my homework, people will be very upset with me, okay? So okay. Let, me, let me do my homework for a minute. Next week okay. on the 30th, Count Gorgeval, Dick Dizel, will be my guest with special co-host, a, a horror author, Elizabeth Black, talking about her new book. So it'll be really wonderful. On the 6th of August, I see that, July, August, yeah, 6th of August, I'm doing good today, uh, Leanne Salheim Murphy will be my guest. On the 13th, the legal show, Sarah Steele will be back. And she will be talking legal issues about during this uh, pandemic and all the other nice things and what she's cooking. And on the 20th, Daniel Ray, if I spell it right, R-A-Y-E, that's Ray to me. If I've done it wrong, Daniel, tell me later. But uh, he will be my guest and I will be loving this. So as I said, next week for all of you horror movies, we'll be talking horror movies with Count Gord Devon. If you haven't seen his website, go to it. If you haven't gotten a book from Elizabeth Black, go to it. They are my guests next week. It will be a time and a half. Go have fun with it. Okay, now back to this lovely, beautiful lady. So, Kelly... Before I forget, because I'm going to be talking horror next week with Ken Cordial, um, what's your favorite horror movie? Well, you know, it's, this is interesting because horror is the one genre that I don't read and I do not watch. Absolutely do not watch, do not read. I don't like to be scared. I do not like it, and I'm easily frightened by the things I read. Uh, what I consider horror, which I thought was an excellent book, and it scared me to death, was Pet Cemetery. Uh, Pet Cemetery just scared me to no end because I'm the kind of person that would have buried my animal to bring it back to life. I would have done that. I would have done that. So that one terrified me. Um, but I, I just, I can't, I can't. I, I, my son-in-law and my son are huge horror fans and I'm like, nope, not going to do it. I don't, I don't want to, I like to sleep at night. <laughs> well, and I'm not, you know, that, I like the original It with uh, Tim Curry, but the new right. one is garbage. It's tripe. Um, yeah. I enjoy good old-fashioned horror like Frankenstein and Dracula and uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, I don't care that that there are, what, six Dracula movies, seven Dracula movies with Bela Lugosi. But you see, I enjoyed the black and whites. Right. Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein. Oh, I loved Son of Frankenstein. But that wasn't really a horror movie, was it? What, the blog? <laughs> no, Son of Frankenstein. They're all just the same genre, you know? Yeah. The, the mad doctor is the bride of Frankenstein, cloning whatever, and... Frankenstein needs a mate, and, and the doctor helps provides. Right. They, they, that's 30s and 40s mentality. I loved it. I'm sorry. I'm weird. I love the, the Bride of Frankenstein and, and Frankenstein and uh, the Son of Frankenstein. You know, all those were beautiful to me. They were great. Right. Film. 
you're not talking something. You're not talking a legend. You're not talking. Um, you're not talking something that you know. It's like the Tarzan movie. There are. There are what, twelve of them, and right. the original with Maureen, with Maureen Sullivan and and you know Aunt Johnny Weissmuller, mm-hmm. and Boy, and she and Cheetah. It was predictable, but fine. It was entertainment. Today, right. it's like, let's see how much blood we can get on the screen. Yes. Yes. And it I, and takes me yeah, off. That, yeah. I. Those things, it just bothers me. I, I'm not, you know, like I say, I like to look at the positive side of things, and that's just not, I just don't do horror. <laughs> I don't do horror. The only reason I asked that question is because next week, Count Gore Duvall will be here. And, yes, I've had – do you know I've already, I've gotten letters from people – I say letters – emails from people and, and IMs going, when is he coming? Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, I'm you know, the, the people who write uh-huh. horror and who produce it, I mean, it, it's – it's definitely a craft that, you know, and a lot of people appreciate it and love it. And it's just, I, could, I couldn't write it. I just couldn't do I can't even write a love story that doesn't sound like, you know, what love stories are well, really I'm like. Saying, I think it's a Twilight Zone and the Hour Limit, the originals. We're not talking <laughs> 1970s, but we're talking da 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 You're entering another, you know. And Rod yeah, oh, Sterling I love in your... the Twilight Zone. Now, I love the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone stuff. I just loved it. See, that's creepy to me. That's not necessarily horror. That was well, creepy okay, to me. They had an episode of Twilight Zone. I always remember this woman is getting her next surgery, and they said, if you don't get the surgery correct, we're going to have to send you to a uh, another ca- a camp and everything is done in shadows and you find out the everybody has a pig's nose except the female, the patient played by Donna Douglas. Ellie I Mann. remember the pig nose. I remember the pig nose. Yeah. You know, the one I always remember, my favorite Twilight Zone episode was um, Roddy McDowell. And he was an astronaut, and he went to a different planet, and the alien said, you know, we're going to set you up, we're going to put you in a house just like on Earth, and this and that and the other. And he was like, gosh, they're being so nice. And at the end, he tries to leave, and he can't get out, and he opens the window, and he's in a zoo. And there's a sign that says, human in his natural habitat. I love that. But that's horror. Welcome to the horror, John. Uh I love it. So tell tell me one more thing. You're shopping your book around. When do you think, if if you get a hit on from a publisher, do you think it'll be out before December? Oh, no. No, 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 no. I probably won't even find somebody to represent it before December. I'm I'm okay with that. I'm taking my time. I'm working on some other things in the meantime, and you know, I've got probably Anything three different books going at once. Am I going to be in the dark? Uh, well, I'm working on one that is uh, about a woman who uh, is kind of trying to break up a um, an illegal adoption ring. She has her her baby is stolen, and she figures out that they tell her it, it, it passed away. I actually saw a Netflix series about a guy who was selling babies, the doctor who was selling babies out his back door and telling the women that they died. So this book kind of came from that idea of she's a woman who was told her baby died. And then she later realizes that the doctor had sold it and she goes to find her baby. And in the process finds out there's a whole thing going on and breaks this ring. So uh, I thought that would be kind of an interesting one to toy with. 
Um, then another one I'm working on has to do with a woman who is uh, saved from an accident by a homeless man for no reason. She And she spends the entire book trying to figure out who he was and why he would possibly save her because he, he dies in the process. So he basically gives his life for hers and she is trying to figure out who he is and why he would do that. So those are the two I'm working on right now. And when do you think they'll be out? Uh, well, I finished one uh, completely, and I don't really like where I went with it, so I started over. <laughs> That's how I do. That's what I do. If I'm not send happy with it, I just send me the one. You're not going to send me the other one, the, the one you did over, and before you did it over so I can read it? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I could, I, I could do that, but you know, I'm like, if I don't like it, if I'm not happy with it, it's just, it's just not going to, I, I bet I have 10, 12 books on my computer that I just wasn't happy with. When I pass away, my sons have permission to publish everything and they'll, they'll probably hit on the one that should have been published that I just wasn't happy with and they'll, they'll be bestsellers and I won't. <laughs> oh, you you'll be up okay. in heaven going. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I'll be famous later. And your son and daughter-in-law are going to sit on a pile of money that should have yeah. been yours, but it wasn't. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That's They'll okay. It's all, it's all gonna. And you'll be, it's all going to go to them sooner or later anyway. Yeah, but it'll be published posthumously, and they'll have a nice picture of you with uh, a halo or something on the top or something. Yeah, there we go. No, they're going to stuff me. They're going to send me to the oh. taxidermist and uh, prop me up on the couch so the grandkids can play with me. <laughs> My daughter-in-law's in the background saying, "Oh no, we're not." Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I yes, think that's how I can. Will. Yes, we will. I said between my two sons, they can each do six months, and you know they can keep me for six months. And wouldn't that be a great conversation piece, though? I think they're missing an opportunity here. How many? How many people would volunteer to do that for them? Are you going to stick one of your books in your hand? Huh? Stick one of your books in your hand. Yes, yes. It could. I could be like Elf on a Shelf. They can repose me every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put me in different places. Either yes. that or oh, yeah. you take your book. Yeah, dress you, you me like new, on, on New Year's. My gosh, they can just decorate me for Christmas if they don't want to put up the tree. There's so many things they could do with this. Sorry, I'm laughing. But uh, let me say this, that you tape one of your books with you reading it. Yes. And, you know, since you'll be stuck, you'll be on the couch and, and reading your book. And it'll oh, be in your hands. That's really good. I, I, can, I can make all kinds of tapes. I could make all kinds of tapes, and they could just, you know, if they want me to say something, like to the grandkids, clean your room. They could just hit the button. Grandma says, clean your room, and that ought to scare them into it. Yeah, oh. that or, or like be like a ventriloquist dummy that they can pull the string in the back and, and the pull mouth moves. Right. Yeah, right. Like, oh, I'm like loving it. Carly McCarthy or, or one of the other ventriloquist dummies, you know. Clean yeah. your room. Yeah, I could see that. These are great ideas. These are great ideas. So I want to ask you a couple of questions I've been thinking about here. Are you? Have they said or that they, they renewed your contract for you to go back teaching in the fall? Yes. Well, we are teaching, I'm teaching hybrid classes. So my classes will be an hour on campus and the rest will be online. 
and then we don't go back until after. Yeah, well, we don't go back after Thanksgiving, and we've had to make all of our classes so that if we have to do an emergency switch and go totally online, our classes are ready for that. So I've been working on that all summer. Um, I'm still not completely done with it. So trying to make, you know, something that a lot of people don't realize is all that is going on in the background with the teachers and the administrators. And I mean, we've got lots of things to figure out. We have meetings almost every day. Uh, you know, what, what if this happens? What about this? What about that? So we're really having to, we're working pretty hard this summer to get those things ready to go. But that's what we're going to do. I'm on a, a small campus, so distancing shouldn't be a huge issue for us. Um, and we're just, we're setting it up the best we can. And if it doesn't work, we'll do something different. Well, that's all that matters, you know. Yeah, because, like, you know, I think each district has their own challenges depending on where you are, um, and we just, I think we need to trust the districts and the teachers and the people who know who their, what their demographic is uh, and who they're teaching to to do certain things, you know. My, I live, where I'm at in Oklahoma is very rural, so we have a lot of people that don't have internet and connectivity, so we've had to rise to that challenge. Um, find you ways to get it. redo the internet or offer it to rural communities so that way it, you could have internet or whatever. Um, I I kind of think that it should be available to everybody. I mean, you know, it's it's the way we communicate these days. So it's it kind of puts some people behind if they don't have it. Um, but I think, my personal opinion, um, if you're paying fees to go to college, that you should have. The connectivity. I mean, how much does it cost to give that to them? And they're paying fees, so make that part of the fee. You know, take some money out, give it to them, let them have all the access they can. Well, but, I agree you know, with you. Yeah, I mean, you know, nobody will ever elect me. I've got lots of great ideas, but nobody will elect me. So, you know, nobody listens. To my great I'm ideas. listening. I'm listening. <laughs> yeah, the world is listening to my great ideas right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, also think, I also think that we should have, um, it shouldn't be to 12th grade. I think we should have to 14th grade in public education. So I think we've had 12 we'll years for way too year. long. The next time yeah. you come in December, we'll be talking about that. Mm-hmm. But all, all kidding aside, um, tell them about what books you have out, projects you have out, so they okay. can go shop and make money for you. Well, my series that um, is through Red Adept Publishing Begins with They Call Me Crazy, which is a USA Today best-selling novel. I'm very proud of it. And there are two more books in the series, uh, Call Me Daddy and Call Me Cass. And the three books follow a woman in southeast Kansas who is kind of known as the town crazy lady. And she kills her husband in the first book, in the first paragraph, so that's not a spoiler and buries him in the yard, and the rest of the series is about her moving from being known as the town crazy to people calling her Cass, calling her by her name. So it is about her evolving and the town evolving, but it is very dark humor. It, they, are all, they all have some weird little traits. Um, you know, the, the big love interest in the book is a worm farmer, for instance, and it's a fun series. It's a fun uh, series. I, I know. Uh, I, I think when I first met you, you had the book, You Call Me Crazy. And right. I was, I was, I told you I was your biggest fan. It's true. I yeah. am. 
Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's fun, and all three of them are fun books. They it's it's fun, and, and the people that have read them all. With the uh, oh, can you uh, talking about that book or not? Can I what? Has anybody talked to you about Crazy, the book Crazy? They call oh. me Crazy. Right. Uh, lately. You know, it's been very popular, and I've had a lot of interest in doing various things with it. So, you know, there's there's nothing set in stone, but I have talked to a couple of people about um, working on some movie rights, uh, but I can't really go too far on that because it would be a great series. It would be a great movie because it's, and I'm not just saying that because I wrote it, but it's just fun but dark um it's it, it's a it's a neat little neat little thing and i enjoyed it it was yeah, a lot of fun who, to write and who would you and who would you cast in it if you were going to make a movie of it uh i think winona Ryder is perfect i think she is the perfect cast adam a young one or the way she is now um I, you know, in what, what's the show, Strange Stranger Things that she's in? Yeah. I mean, she just she acts just like my my character in that movie. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, a little bit nutty, but but still doing things. So I, she just she nailed it. She's perfect. I know, but she's funny. Perfect. I I was I was talking to another writer who writes, and he says. I like Tom Hanks from like Splash, but I hated him in Captain Phillips. Oh, <laughs> so it's the same actor, but he he liked a young Tom Hanks in Splash, and oh. now Captain Phillips. You know, I hate to say it, he's he's an older man. I mean, you know what I'm he's saying? He's an older, older guy. guy. Yeah, you know, he's an older guy. So he plays different parts. I know that. He won two Oscars. I mean, you know, what did you tell him? He can't win another Oscar? I think he could. (laughs) I mean, this this is a man. Tom Hanks is a man that played Walt Disney and and also played uh, Mr. Rogers. So, I mean, he could do almost anything. In Philadelphia. You know, in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, I think Tom Selleck is one that has, has done a great job. You know, Tom Selleck played the funny and the goofy and then the, the suave, and now he's the, the cop, and he's just, I think Tom Selleck's done a great job. You know what I'm saying. With his roles. Yeah. Absolutely. And some actors, once they do a role or two roles, they're gone. You know, you've never seen them again. Right. Give right. me Steve Buscemi. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I will tell you, if you have cable, you should do get this. They have uh, Scooby-Hoo and Guess Who. Okay. And they have, the, they now have the second season out. Okay. Uh huh. Steve Buscemi does a cart does a cartoon voice of himself with Scooby Doo. You know, and that oh. there are others. That, I'm like Steve Buscemi. I'm like, oh my god. Uh, I mean, the first season of that show, they had Penn and Teller playing Penn and Teller. So it was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, they didn't have to say much, did they? <laughs> that one never does. The pen, of course, yeah. is, does, does all the talking. Does all the but, talking. Uh, okay, so Call Me Crazy is still out, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Call Me Cast, the last one came out last year and completed the series, and it's doing well, too, so... So okay, uh, I have a message from Diana. She asks me, "Are you going to make a fourth book?" 
Uh, not in that series. Not in that and series. I should hear, and she's saying in Shrek, darn, 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 darn. <laughs> well, I did... I did do a um, short story. I think I sent you the short story that went with it, the precursor to the before the yeah, storm. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, I did that. And I'm thinking maybe, I don't know, 10 years from now, maybe I'll do it 10 years later. Maybe she can kill this husband too. No, I wouldn't do that. I like this guy. <laughs> Are you sure? Okay. No, I'm not sure. I mean, 10 years is a long time. Surely she'll get sick of him by then. Well, let me let me say this. Uh, if they want to find anything of yours, they go where? Uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, all the usual places. The usual suspects. Or they can and find me on sure Facebook it, or Twitter or Red Adept Publishing. And it's under Kelly Stone Gamble. Don't go Kelly yeah. Stone because you're going to find it. Right. Well, there is an author named Kelly Stone, so I had to go Kelly Stone Gamble. So, yes, add the gamble. Um, thank you for an hour of fun. Well, I thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Did you have a good time? I had a good time. Did you have a good, good. time? I always have a good time with you, dear. <laughs> I We're old soldiers. We talk to each other and have a good time. Let me yeah. just do this for a minute before I close for the night. Uh, next week, Count Gore Duvall, Dick Dizel will be here, and author, horror author, Elizabeth Black will be with him as my co-host. Kelly, it's been wonderful. As always. Any final words? Any final words? Buy my books, read my books. Find me on Facebook. You never know what kind of adventures I'm going to be on. Or what kind of opinions I'm going to throw out there. <laughs> That's the scary and, part, folks. Yeah. <laughs> you just never know. So, for, for this week, thank you for coming to the show. Good night. You're welcome. Thank you for having Bye, me. My pleasure. Be well. Good night. You too. Good night.